0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Wanna to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B E. That's IXL.com forward slash B E.
1: Galaxy Sweet Galaxy. So down. Sincere, so sincere.
2: All right. Welcome everybody to another episode of Tommy This. I was going to say co-host Brianne, but you know what? I'm going to take all the glory today. I am your host <laughs> for this episode because I am super, super excited to be with three guests and we will have a fourth joining us probably in about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, We have everybody's a doctor in here. Is that crazy? Like all doctors in the house today. So we have Dr. Brianne Roos, who all of you should know as uh, the co host of this podcast. Dr. Lisa Mitchell has been on a couple of times now, I think, Lisa. Um, And we have someone new, Dr. Alice Waldron. So we're so happy to welcome all three of you today.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to be here. Yeah, it's good.
2: So I'm going to let Alice and Lisa introduce themselves, but just for for listeners, our fourth season is, on, is still on belonging, and we are really digging into what belonging looks like in relationships, and relationships can be defined in all sorts of ways, personal, professional, intimate, friendships, neighbors, whatever that looks like, and so today, we thought it would be fun to actually dig in with a group who became friends. Um, at the start of their journey in a doctoral program and they remain friends and so and Brienne I was thinking as I was prepping this morning this is really the first episode on relationships where we've really explored in a relationship with the people in the relationship not just describing experiences with others yeah that's um, true yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm really excited to get in so um, so Lisa you want to reintroduce yourselves to our audience
3: sure i'm happy to hi everyone i'm lisa mitchell um i am a 2020 graduate of the edd program at johns hopkins and i work in musical theater so i run the education programs for disney on broadway and um, continue to do some work on the side in an academic sense
4: that's who i am
2: (laughs) thanks lisa alice
4: I am so happy to see your faces on the screen today. It warms my heart. (laughs) I am Alice Waldron. I was also a 2020 graduate of the EDD program at Johns Hopkins, and I work in the field of education at a graduate school of education. I am the dean of clinical experience at Relay Graduate School of Education.
2: Yay. All right. Well, thanks to both of you. And um, Crystal newbie will be joining us shortly and she was actually just recently on the pod with Brianne and I exploring belonging in relationships. So if you haven't checked out that episode, please be sure to go back and take a listen. So we always like to start out every episode of our podcast with a check in. So I want to know how, how are you all doing? You're all smiling today. So that's good. And it's Friday. So that's even better. So generally, though, how, how's life?
3: things are, things are good. I don't know about you all, but I just feel like things continue to move at a pace that I have never experienced in my life before. Um, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling definitely a little bit like on the burnt out side of things, but finally it's because I'm doing the work that I love doing, as opposed to this weird, like, crisis management version of the work. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful that if I'm going to be burnt out, it's for a great reason.
2: Absolutely, yes. We're we are all happy that Broadway is reopened, Lisa, and you're back to doing the work that you do and you love. So we're grateful for that. Others, Alice, Brianne, how are you both?
1: Oh, doing well. Um, I mean, it's funny because Carrie and I had a meeting about two hours ago. So you know, since I last saw you, <laughs> doing great. <laughs> Yeah. Just super busy with all the all the things, but I'm so excited to be doing them, like Lisa said. So doing well.
2: Awesome.
4: Alice? Like I said earlier, I'm so happy to be here. We have text <laughs> chains that we keep up with periodically, but seeing your faces is bringing me joy today. I have a two-year-old and we've had a, a spate of different colds for like the last month. So a little exhausted on that front, ready for the colds to be over. Apologies if you hear me cough in the audio, I try <laughs> to keep it to a mini- minimum, but other than that, I'm um, doing well. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Awesome.
2: So as all of you know here and those who are listening know, this is a podcast about belonging. So would love to hear everyone's brief definition of belonging. Like what does that word mean to each of you?
1: I mean, I guess I can start, it just feels funny because I'm so used to hearing other people talk about it. Um, I mean, I really think belonging starts on the inside. So I think it's sort of an internal thing and it's when I think it's when we just have kind of a really deep understanding and appreciation of who we are fundamentally for, of ourselves. And then I feel the deepest sense of belonging with others when they see and respect those same kind of core values. Thanks, Brianne. I'll toss it to Alice. It'll be popcorn style.
2: (laughs) Our audience needs to recognize that these ladies are usually not this quiet. So let's stop being so polite with each other and let's just (laughs) jump into this conversation, please.
4: I often think about belonging primarily in terms of different communities Hmm. and when I think about belonging in a community I think about a place where you can sort of bring your whole self where you don't have to you don't feel like you need to hide aspects of your identity um where you feel confident and like a sense of trust that the people in the in the community are there to support you um and maybe connecting to what Brianne mentioned like some sort of shared goal or passion or something like that um, and then just feeling a sense of connection to, to the other people in the community I think is an important part of belonging for me as well.
3: Yeah.
4: I agree with both
3: of those definitions and Alice I think the part that you um, said about being your full self is probably like where I focus most when I think about belonging. It's, um, it's being able to show up without any pretense and um, wherever I am you know however, I'm feeling that day, but that is fine. And I don't have to fake anything. And hopefully the other people also feel that sense of belonging. And I think um, that's, that's a great thing to be able to roll into a zoom screen, for example, in stretchy clothes and no makeup (laughs) and not care about it.
2: Awesome. And you're looking great, Lisa, you're looking great. So I think I know the answer to this, but just um, I'd love to sort of put some color and texture to it, which is around You know, how critical do you think belonging is to relationships? Lisa, I'm going to call. I guess I'm going to have to call on you because they're not just jumping in. It's good.
3: (laughs) I I think it's critical to meaningful relationships. Hmm. Um, I don't know that it's critical to every single relationship in our lives. But if you're going to have an authentic, meaningful relationship with sort of like mutual trust, then I think it is at the center of it all. Okay,
4: I hadn't thought about like the different types of relationships. So that's a really interesting point. I was thinking about coming back to the idea of like being able to bring your full self, how critical that is. I, I think I agree. I agree, Lisa, in those deeper relationships, because if you can't, there's a, you're imposing a level of stress on yourself where you're trying to Act or present a certain view of yourself that isn't fully you and that for me at least increases stress level a lot in those relationships that are longer term and, and deeper but now that I'm thinking about it like yeah in some of the, the relationships that are more surface level I don't think that sort of induces that same sense of of, of stress. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the more superficial relationships, I try to be sincere with what I present, but I'm just not presenting the whole picture, I think. Right. I Because that acting kind of piece is not really sustainable. So I think it's very stressful and it's also not something you can hold on to for very long.
2: Well, no one in our audience listening can see this, but the three <laughs> women who have been with us just had big smiles on their face because Dr. Crystal Newby just joined us. <laughs> Crystal, it's so good to see you. Hi, it's
5: good to see y'all. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Pardon Thanks. my
5: tardiness. No worries. Hi, just, Crystal. How are we're, you? Hi. Good. We're happy to you have all.
2: you here in any way we can. We're just talking about um, I was asking the group, you know, how critical they thought belonging was to relationships. And I don't know, I know you just joined Crystal, but do you have anything to add to that?
5: I think um I think it depends on the type of relationships that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's either can be your personal relationships with family or with friends or can be your relationships with colleagues. And so I think the dynamics are certainly going to be different in terms of that belonging, depending on the, um, group of individuals that you're around and, and what that looks like and your comfort level with those individuals. Um, I I think, you know, it's just really going to, going to depend on some of those factors. Mm.
2: So you, you came in, you know, just then, and uh, Lisa had shared a similar sentiment around the types of relationships. So, you know, this is one of those moments where we're going to follow the breadcrumbs, ladies. So I'm going to go off script for a bit because I'm really curious. Like, I want to dig into this a little bit. So, if I I want to reflect this back, Lisa and Crystal, y- you said it depends on the type of relationship. So you're you're saying belonging may may or may not be critical, dependent on the relationship. So we need to unpack that a little bit. Cause I, I sort of want to understand. So what does that mean? So if I, so if I'm in one of those relationships where you would suggest that it's not as important, can you, can you talk me through that a little bit? Like, what does that look like? How do you know it's not important? Is it a functioning relationship? So all the, those are all the questions that are coming up for me.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think from, from my perspective, I kind of immediately just go to my professional relationships. Right. And, there are folks with whom I work um, very closely on very sticky, difficult projects that require a, a deep sense of respect and trust and vulnerability to get done. And, you know, reporting relationships, people I oversee, people that I report into. Um, I think belonging is essential for everybody to be able to do their best work in those relationships. Whereas there are other professional relationships that I have and lovely colleagues who I, you know, have great relationships with, but I don't necessarily need to have such a, um, grounded sense of self when it's something a little more transactional, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure within their function, they've got folks who they have to have that sense of belonging with, and they don't have to have it with me and vice versa, but that's sort of where I am with it. I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, Crystal
5: yeah, i I definitely agree, you know with with what you're saying, Lisa, because I feel the same way. you know, working with certain people within you know my team um, is a different level of belonging and vulnerability than what it may be with colleagues around my organization who, just like you said so eloquently, Lisa, it just might be transactional. Um, it's those occasional interactions um, Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily meaningful, per se. Um, So yeah, that sense of belonging isn't necessarily there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I, so I agree with you in in, in that regard, Lisa. Okay.
2: Brianne or Alice, any thoughts to add there?
1: No, I mean, I just, transactional is the right word. I was struggling with the word and I think that's the word because I'm just thinking about interactions and relationships I have with people and it really just is getting some things done uh, versus others where, you know, it's more of a sustained relationship and the problems and situations that we're in really do require a lot more of our whole selves.
2: Mm. All right. So I have to, one more follow-up and then I'll, I'll move on to something else. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this because I heard you say, Lisa, I don't need a grounded sense of self. And so what I'm wondering there when we're having this conversation is the underlying assumption that you already have, as Brianne mentioned, a good sense of belonging to yourself.
3: I think so. I think so. And I, if I was to reflect on when I started my career, right. And I was a little more junior, I didn't have as much, um, like, office politic chops and all that stuff mm-hmm. probably didn't have that. And it was probably a little bit more on un, un, unfounded when I was having those transactional moments, even, mm-hmm. but now I have that. I feel like the benefit of time, the benefit of experience I do, I am fortunate to, to feel a, a relative sense of belonging inwardly.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Go ahead, Alice. I think that can change for me based on the situation. Mm. I think overall, I agree, like as I get older, it increases. But when you think about, and Lisa, I actually like what you said about like one, seems like gaining comfort over time in your career is one example. Um, But when we think about, I I always think about students too, because I'm in education, like situations where they might face stereotype threat based on their identity markers, situations that are newer for all of us as doctoral students, situations where we might feel like some imposter syndrome. I think there are situational variables that can sort of impact, um, how you feel your own sense of, of confidence and your own belonging as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Alice, thank you for that. Yeah. And I think I love, I love this conversation because it's just, you know, Brian and I have talked to a lot of people over the last several years and what we've learned and, and a paper that Lisa also was a part of belonging is dynamic right from a from a contextual standpoint from a time standpoint we were talking to um, uh, a good friend of brianne's uh, uh, in our last episode and we were talking about sort of the developmental nature of belonging right that like the cues that you need to build belonging might change developmentally like they may be more external early on just because of your ability to um, self-reflect and have those metacognitive skills and as you get older so i think This conversation is sort of underscoring that, which is super fun. So so Alice brought up how belonging might be different and change specifically around being a doctoral student and imposter syndrome. So what a nice transition to the next question, which is really about, you know, with belonging in mind, as you entered your doctoral program, all of you already Um, having um, well-defined professional identities, right? And some confidence and some expertise, you shift into a doctoral program. And not only are you undertaking doctoral studies, you're doing it in an online setting. And so I'm just curious, like, and meeting new people. So tell me, tell us a little bit about what, where does belonging fit in? What does it feel like? Like all the things
3: I immediately go back i don't know about you all i immediately go back to that very first residency so like we had done the summer modules and i was like what's a statistic (laughs) and then we go to this hotel in baltimore and there are all these really impressive people and like leadership of the program are saying and like i know words but saying words that i do not understand and i was terrified i felt like an imposter and i felt like i couldn't even find my people and i think what shifted for me was what I found my people. And they were like, that was terrifying. <laughs> and I realized that there was like a shared experience there. Mm. What's a statistic, Lisa? Amen,
4: sister. <laughs> <laughs> um. Connecting to that, I knew uh, someone who had completed the program already. And so before I came, I was also thinking about that summer experience. And before I came in, I was like, I know that I have to find my people. This is what the person who completed the program before me told me I had to do. And I think I met you all there, but I don't think I found you all there. Mm-hmm. Like right. we did not have our, yeah. mm. our like group dynamic yet. And I think that that's like something I learned later, like, oh, that's okay. It can take some time. <laughs> To build. Um, and I think obviously that connects to the nature of belonging oh, as well. That's
2: awesome. Alice is already worried that she failed the first task, which was to find her people. She's like, I didn't do that. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that terrible weekend? First of all, I cried so much that weekend, but I vividly remember sitting at the table thinking, Are these my people? I really don't know. I clearly need to find them immediately because I felt like I was drowning in a sea of fear and loneliness. And I, remember looking over my shoulder and seeing Carrie, who I did not know, chatting with the students. And you were dressed casually and comfortably, which was great because I'm like, okay, so this isn't that stuffy really. And the students were like, hey, and just kind of chatting in a way that was not happening at our table. And I remember thinking, that's what I need. I need relationships like that where you can just be yourself and be comfortable and laugh and engage just sort of authentically. And I mean it's so incredible that years later this is the work we're doing but I I have that vivid memory from that from that day from those days in that dark dark cold <laughs> ballroom.
2: <laughs> oh man, Crystal anything to add?
5: Yeah, you know, I think to echo everyone's point you know, that first orientation definitely was terrifying. Like Lisa said, what's the statistic? I was like, conceptual framework, theoretical framework. Wait, what are we, what? (laughs) You want me to draw a concept map? Okay. Um, But I think to everyone's point was being able, again, to find your people and understanding that um, we were all in it together per se, as cheesy as that sounds, but we are all in the same boat, literally. Um, despite the fact that we came from different backgrounds, maybe some different career fields and experiences, we were all doing this one thing. We had this one thing in common, and I think that um, you know is what makes experiences like this so unique. Because you do get to meet so many different people uh, from different backgrounds, but having this shared experience, you know, is that common ground. Um, and so, yeah, finding the people, you know, was <laughs> was a big thing. And and even for me, finding people who looks like me, mm-hmm. um, who are you know black, brown women, men, um, as well, you know. So not only finding people um, maybe even regionally. Cause I think Brienne and I were at the same table. We were, yeah. And, then, mm-hmm. um, a couple other folks, although there's this one woman at our table and I don't remember her name, so I'll throw a little shade, but whatever. <laughs> I just remember her not being the friendliest. <laughs> and she was kind of like, uh, she wasn't even like a first year, like we all were. Mm-hmm. She had like done it before. And I think she was just at our table. Oh. And like, I saw her that one time and she wasn't that friendly. Mm-hmm. And then she left and I never saw her again i don't remember her but i just remember her leaving and i was like oh god i hope the rest of these people aren't like because <laughs> this is going to make for a miserable three years like and i said to this day i don't remember her name or anything like that I
4: just
5: no i would never she's had a funky attitude i didn't like it um so funny my people was important and thank god i did
4: <laughs> the person who scared me the most during that orientation was i, I remember that too we were at tables and each, for one of the activities, each table had a student that was farther along in the program. And that, I don't remember his name, but that is the person at the organization (laughs) who scared me the most.
2: Oh, it's so interesting that you said that, because I remember as a faculty, we had conversations around, we have to be, do a better job of picking ambassadors for the program. Because I think there was something, you know, there's always something with like, you want to you want them to feel as scared as you felt kind of mentality Mm. sometimes, but I think that's not, and it shifted. I hope, you know, you didn't benefit maybe, but it it definitely, definitely shifted. So, and Crystal, I, I think it's, you're not the only one you you said it here and I'm not trying to pick on you, but I think it's so curious to me that we, we often say it's so cheesy to say having a shared experience. Cause like I, can we just own that? It, I don't think it's cheesy anymore. Can we just reclaim that? Because I feel like going through a, a pandemic and saying we're alone together and being able to, I think that, I think all of you have said that's where the secret, the magic happens is, I mean, that's what, I just finished reading Tarana Burke's um, book, Unbounded, and the whole Me Too is all about shared experience, right? So I think- that's where the secret sauce is. Like, there's nothing cheesy about that. Um, I think it's the critical. Alice, I'm gonna circle back and I'm hoping others can, can dig in here because I really wanna think about this idea of signals or markers of belonging in early friendships. Because what you said about the orientation, that face-to-face was that, I think I met you there, but I didn't find you there. And so, I'm, I'm making some leaps that perhaps something started to appear in the friendships that started to create the, I find my people, found my people. So can you talk to us a little bit about what you experienced?
4: Yeah. I mean, first I, I'd have to name my deep gratitude for Brianne, I think. (laughs) Same. Um, (laughs) It is, I find it difficult in new situations when I am just getting to know people to I just feel awkward. Like I I don't know if this connects to introvert, extrovert. I think I have aspects of both. Whatever it is, I have some social awkwardness. And so I don't think it was necessarily about like signals I was getting from people other than that one guy at my table I mentioned of (laughs) like, oh, this person might be a little scary. (laughs) It was more, I felt some sort of fear about reaching out and making those connections. Mm. Like, oh, what if they don't want to, like, what if I want to work with them and they don't want to work with me? And in an early class, Brienne reached out and was like, hey, it was some like project or like, I think we responded to each other a lot, maybe in discussion posts. And she reached out to connect. And then, and then Brienne, I felt like you were sort of like a one of those people that connects people to other people that I was then able to meet and build deeper connections with people like Lisa, with people like Christy, as a result, or Crystal, I'm so sorry, I have called my... Um, brain isn't working fully Uh, through those network connections for someone like me I I think that was critical for me being able to develop that sense and so uh thank you Brian
1: oh yeah I mean it's so funny because I remember the email I literally remember thinking she is super smart and she's on her game because you're attracted to people maybe well I don't know I was because Alice was responding promptly to these things in ways that I felt were very relatable to me and in the beginning, you're just overanalyzing or I was overanalyzing everything, you know, people who essentially posted a dissertation when really the appropriate response was just a few parag- or a uh, sentences. I hated that. And I was like, God, I don't want to align with that. And Alice just seemed really succinct and to the point and relatable. And so I remember I felt like I was a third grader on the playground saying, do you want to be my friend? And I wrote this cautious email, which essentially said that in you know doctoral language like do you want to be a partner on this project <laughs> and then she said yes and i was like oh thank god because it really felt like you know a big, a big leap and you know then we just were really only partners with each other from there on out so yeah. it worked great
2: lisa or crystal any thoughts
1: i think um i think that like
3: shared style and shared standard of work i think was really important in, in me finding my people like I mean, listen, we all know that a group project can go either way. And when you're going to be put into a group project, like, you either have to, like, be okay with everybody Mm -hmm. having different standards and availabilities and et cetera, or you all have to be aligned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I was very fortunate in finding people who, like, shared a similar style, a similar quality of work, a similar, like, probably over fussiness to um, deliverables that I had. And that was huge for me. Mm. Crystal, thoughts?
5: Yeah, you know, I, I want to go back to something Alice mentioned earlier about, you know, is that the whole trepidation about okay, will that person like me? Will that person not like me? And I think, you know, in that situation, because we were all, you know, new to each other, not knowing each other, I think um for me, because for the most part, I mean, I can be extremely extroverted when I'm feeling it, otherwise I'm very introverted. But You know, it's that whole thing. It's like, oh, I know I I do a lot of talking to people and I've talked to a lot of different people over my life, but I'm here and I'm like, well, how do I do this? (laughs) Like, like you said, trying to get to know people, you know, all over again, these people who are going to be going through this with you and who you're going to be engaging with a lot more throughout this program. Um, But it just was kind of weird. I remember being at the table I said, you know, Brienne was at our table and so was Caitlin. You know, so I felt like we had some good conversation. But yeah, it's still scary to put yourself out there right, is what it is. It's scary to put yourself out there Mm -hmm. and um, to try to meet new people and make these new connections. And that eventually turn into friendships, right? Because, you know, as adults now, we're more conscious and more self-aware than what we would have been as kids doing this. You know, you see kids running and playing with each other. Um, Usually, they don't have as much trepidation. They meet somebody new. But as adults, as we grow and learn, we have insecurities. And You know, there might be some hesitancy or some anxiety there in that situation. But again, and Carrie, I'm glad that you said this um, earlier, you know, but having that shared experience, having something in common is a way to bond um, with someone. And I think that's ultimately, you know, what helped us, at least what helped me. Absolutely.
2: Crystal,
3: that makes me think, like, the notion of, like, the the shared experience and what you were just saying is, like, I'm also reflecting on the fact that there was in every group or relationship, there was someone who was willing to be brave enough to name the shared experience. And like, I remember that that very first day of that infamous orientation, there was this like, like, through the network, people were forming a group chat and like the group chat had its own life after that, which I have comments on. But (laughs) in that initial group chat, there was a moment at which someone said, is anybody else really terrified? And that was like a game changer because then there was an acknowledgement of the shared experience. I can't remember who said that, but like the fact that someone was brave enough to name that as allowed everyone else permission to say that yeah, yeah, I am, as opposed to like having to put on a facade.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're getting you're getting at what I was gonna explore, Lisa, which is, you know, I I think it's safe to say that. Each of you on this this uh, this podcast were interested in something other than transactional relationships here, right? Because um, we we started talking about, well, belonging, the degree of belonging depends on the type of relationship. We got into transactional. And there's a part of me listening to you that was like, you know, each of you in your own way could have had a strategy of transactional relationships. I want to be successful. Let me figure out who does what well. I'll align with them so that I can move through this program. But that's not what happened here. And so I'm wondering, what made the difference? Like, what's the difference in going, yeah, I'm just, I'm not even gonna add anymore. What made the difference or what makes the difference? It could be plural.
3: I think it's authenticity. Oh. Like, I think for me, it's authenticity. I remember it's interesting. Someone reached out to me, like in early year two of the program, and was like, I've been watching you. You work in a similar field as me. Um, you've got a similar quality of work with me. Like, do you want to? We lived in the same region. Do you want to study for comps? I'm not interested in including anybody else. I want to get this thing done. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not, that's not interesting to me. I've got these like, authentic relationships with people where we're equally invested in each other's success and will balance each other out when i need to push someone's there to push me when i feel like i'm on top of it i'm there to push someone etc alice you were
4: going to say something i think it connects to that i was going to connect back again to what crystal said about being in it together Like, that's just a a different feel. And I think that's exactly connects to what you described, Lisa, of like, we are invested in each other's success. I'm not just, oh, I want to learn from Brianne because she has expertise in this area and I want to have that. Certainly, I learned a lot from all of you and your different expertise. But something about the community working together towards the goal And being real about the challenges, I think that's part of supporting each other towards the success, is being willing to talk about what you are struggling with and have that vulnerability, I think is incredibly important. And Alice,
5: I'll say to, oh, sorry, Brand, do you want to go? No, go ahead. I would say to your point, Alice, you talked about success, and I feel like, at least with us and from me personally, I wanted to see everybody succeed. (laughs) to get through it because we all understood what it took to all of us, you know, working full time and trying to balance life and work and school and all of these dynamics going into it. And I know I genuinely wanted to see others succeed and finish as well because you put so much into it. Um, And, you know, it's such a grind and you don't want to see someone, when I say you, I didn't want to see someone not make it. And so I think that's what would change, you know, the dynamic for me is because I wanted to see others succeed because everybody was doing this for a reason, whatever that reason was, whatever their why was, but you want to see those people succeed. And that's for me was genuine.
1: Yeah. I mean, yes to everything. I, I also think that what makes that experience unique, um, and the depth of our relationships unique is the um the rigor of that undertaking and the length of it. So if that was just a two-week crash course, you know, it would have been all in together and then you're out. But it was three years, you know, fall, spring, summer (laughs) for three years, navigating all the things that happened in life between 2017 and 2020 for all of us. I mean, Alice got married, was pregnant. Like we walked through like major life milestones together while doing all of that work. And so I think it sort of happened in, in inherently innately because of the circumstances that we were in together while balancing that that workload. Yeah. Brian,
5: I'll say to that, it felt like an investment. Because mm-hmm. we were invested in ourselves, but we were also invested in each other. Oh my god. each other's best interest and well being and again, success. So when you said that I'm like, it's investment. We were genuinely invested in each other. Yes. Did you just
2: read my notes, Crystal? I swear to <laughs> no. you, I just wrote down "invested in" and circled because I feel like the difference we've uncovered or talked about here with transactional and these these deeper relationships is what I've heard you say is an investment in the other person and their success. Um, so I think you looked at my notes, Crystal. I'm just <laughs> gonna say. Um, so I I want to I have a question in here around sort of how did the belonging, the relationship evolve over time? So you found your people, you got to know your people. Well, how did it sort of evolve? Can you put words to that or examples? Like, you know, it, clearly it must have changed in some way from sort of that first project that Alice and Brianne did
1: together to, to where you are now. So what's it look like? I, I think, think part of it was... Um, the frequency and types of communication that we had. So we had these, you know, school-based sync sessions, that sort of thing. But once the group threads and text chats started more regularly and there was just more interaction outside of the school stuff, that helped to, you know, just increase the depth of our relationships and we just learned more about each other. Also, I think there was at the same time there was a a degree of levity that was brought into it like if something funny happened you would share that so it wasn't just about school and then we started to have what we called wine and wine sessions like w-i-n-e and w-h-i-n-e sessions on zoom which were you know basically vent sessions for us to just talk about how crazy the whole thing was you know
5: that's awesome on one of those sessions i definitely wore my lion onesie that my mom had bought me for Christmas a couple years ago, eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> ice cream. And I think I have a screenshot from that. Yeah,
1: that's a true story.
2: <laughs> that is brilliant. That sums it all up
3: right there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so good. I think there was also like, in, you know, what changed? It was a tremendous amount of like credibility and trust kept getting deposited into the bank account. I remember, I think it was probably in year three, there was some other group project that was happening. I think Brianna, it was you, Alice, me, and maybe Alicia were like a foursome on it. And like things were wild in my life, like crazy amount of work happening. I was dealing with some health stuff. Like I was, a, I was a mess and everybody worked on the project and I was just like, not my best self. So it's like all of this work that went into it. And then at the last slide, it was like, I came on and I was like, the end (laughs) that was my contribution and i remember being so grateful that my team was there to step up for me when i needed it and that they knew that this was not my normal standard and it was all good and like i had such gratitude in that moment now if i had done that for every single group project i probably wouldn't be on that one But at that moment in time, when like the circumstances were wild, I was able to draw from that bank. And I think that's part of the thing that happened was that credibility and trust.
4: That's so interesting because I remember the semester and I remember like some of the challenges you mentioned. I have no memory of thinking like, oh, you did a little less work on some project. (laughs) Um, And so I think that sort of speaks Probably to the, to the trust as well. But I also wonder if you're being a little hard on yourself too.
2: (laughs) The stories we tell ourselves, right? Oh my goodness. That's amazing. So I'm hearing in, in terms of, you said depth of relationship. So there was an addition of levity, the wine and wine. It wasn't just about school anymore. There was a deeper sense of credibility and trust. Um, And I couldn't help but think about um Brene Brown and her metaphor of the marble jar right I just could hear the marbles clinking in your jars as you were going through the through the program so I I just really love that so you know I I coach a lot of um doctoral students now and and I ask them often to sort of think about core values and priorities and one of the things they always say kind of t- tongue-in-cheek but also very seriously is I want to finish the program right I want to finish the program. And of course, makes so, so much sense. So I can't help but ask, where does belonging fit into your success in the program? Like what contribution do you think belonging had? I'm not going to ask for you to, you know, a statistic, uh, uh, Crystal and Lisa. Um, I'm not going to ask you to analyze any data. I'm asking for your lived experience <laughs> on how belonging has contributed to your success in the program, you think.
5: Am I gonna have to call on somebody?
3: Okay, I'll go. Thank you, Crystal.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I was, I'm really thinking hard about it. I feel like Alice and Lisa, you know, Bria were also thinking as well, because it's such such an important question. Um, And I think that, again, it was just kind of, I go back to the investment piece, And do what you just said, Carrie, about asking the students and they say they just want to finish. I feel like that's what everybody wants, jokingly or not. Like you start a program like this, not to not finish, you know, that's kind of like the ultimate goal. Right. But it's also understanding why you want to finish it. Mm. You know, what does this look like? What are what are your goals what um what is your purpose behind doing something like this? And I think as far as belonging and success in this program, um, I think it's being in spaces where you're supported um, throughout the experience, whether it comes from you know friends, peers, faculty, you know, advisors, whatever the case may be. Um, but it's I think sometimes it's almost getting that. I'll say
2: affirmation
5: um you know like if you you know it, it, it can be as small as you know this is a great point like on a paper that you might have gotten feedback from your faculty member about right when you're like okay that awesome i knew what i was talking about <laughs> like i knew what i was doing but some of that affirmation you know for me was a part of it So i'm like oh okay like are these faculty members they have their doctors they've been through this they teach like and they're saying i did a good job Then i'm like Whew, I'm okay that I did a good job, so I kind of look at it from from that lens.
1: Yeah, I I mean for sure getting that feedback was helpful. Also, sometimes soul crushing um, mm-hmm. when it's not what you wanted to hear. But I guess for me, I go back to the definition of I really think it starts with yourself, and I think a program like this is so hard uh, for me it was so hard (laughs) and so i had to draw on like every last drop of what is truly inside to be successful and to maintain the timeline and to keep all of the balls in the air and i was listening to Brene brown yesterday list um on dare to lead she interviewed somebody named janice Omadeki who's a young entrepreneur incredible and they were talking about humility and their definition of humility, I went back to the transcript because I wanted to get it right. They said, humility is a true sense of what we do well and a deep understanding of what we need to grow and learn and when to ask for help. And it really connected with me when I was thinking about our program, because I really had to figure out what I did well. I I kind of knew some of the professional things just from other experiences. But this draws, I mean, this really, it's it's just intense and rigorous in ways that I had never experienced before. And so I had to like go go deep with those areas of strength and leverage those while also recognizing areas that I I don't know well and I really needed to grow and be okay with, with all of that at the same time. And that, I think, is part of how our relationships developed. I mean, I think Alice and I work together. We have a lot of similar work habits and strengths. We also have different contexts and different strengths. Right, so we could bounce off each other with with that kind of expertise, I guess. Um, and so it was all of that for me. Like I think belonging was so fundamental because it it made me belong more to myself, which then allowed me to belong better and and stronger and more deeply with with other people.
4: I love that because I was thinking about. Carrie, you asked about success in the program, and I was thinking it it depends a little bit on how you define success. So when I think about a discrete paper, or and maybe that adding up to a dissertation, maybe not though, um, could I have done that without the sense of belonging that I had with my peers? Yes, it would have been hard. Um, But sort of taking the checklist approach to trying not to knock things out. I think I might've taken longer because there isn't that sense of like, we're all invested in each other's success that Crystal was describing earlier. But like maybe, yes, could could have gotten to the end there, maybe not, unknown. But then I think about like success to me and what I got out of it was so much more than just saying I finished the dissertation. It was understanding education systems, complex problems and different contexts. Coming back to what Rhianne said about learning from each other and different perspectives and that type of thing. And so I think that the success that I felt and the worth of the piece of paper beyond the piece of paper itself, that that could not have happened without the belonging. I
3: agree, I feel like I, I may have been able to technically finished without the belonging to Alice's point, but I think it would have been less meaningful, less impactful, and I would have been not as well rounded as a practitioner on it. Um, and emotionally very difficult, like doing that in isolation, I just, I just don't know, maybe I wouldn't have finished it, actually, maybe I couldn't have overcome that in isolation. Um, and then the other thing I think of, too, is like, I feel very privileged to have found a sense of belonging within my peers and um, within my, I had great advising relationships within my advisors. And I'm also just like reflecting that I come from a place of privilege in this and I didn't necessarily have to work to find belonging within academia as an institution. It was sort of set up like from a structural point of view, so that what I came in with, it was there, and I just am, you know, when I reflect on um, historically marginalized communities, there's that second layer. There's finding belonging within your people, and there's also like belonging at the institutional level, and um, and I, I'm I'm just thinking about that from this conversation.
2: Yeah, that's so good. i just I just needed a moment to. Process. So it's, I don't know that it's best podcasting to be processing on your podcast, you know, the quiet, but (laughs) there it is. It made me think, Lisa, and not to put myself into this, but I'm going to for a minute, if you'll permit me, when I, I too was in this program at a different time. And I remember starting and I entered the program with a PhD. And I remember that recognition of the, so maybe the, I don't know, social capital or the, Academic capital that I was bringing into the space because when people were scared or worried about comps or the proposal defense, it was just like, I know what that looks like, right. Like so there there is a real realization, and we forget sometimes of the the structures that are in place in systems that we have to be really mindful of how to help everybody navigate those um based on what they're coming to the to the space with. And so I think, I know not everybody who listens to this program um, will be pursuing a doctorate, but certainly we, we all experience transitions and entering new systems and new spaces. And so I think there's a lot to draw from this conversation. And I appreciate that we're sort of we're ending up at a place where, look, this is you know a particular system that has not you know served our minoritized populations well. Um, And this is true of a lot of systems. And it's, it's good. It's a good reminder that we just, I feel like belonging, we need to be doubling down on belonging, right? Like tripling down on belonging to make sure that everyone who wants to be in these different spaces, academia or otherwise, um, has a, has an access point um, and can find their people, as you guys have so eloquently put it. So um, I want to, bring us to a close with one final question and you know we talked a lot of, about a lot of different things and I know we could go on for many hours which is what I love about this group um talked about you know success as sort of this discrete check checkbox of earning a degree finishing a paper but then there's also deeper definitions of success around meaning connection finding your people and so I want to leave the group with um One strategy or one recommendation that each of you would make to someone who's either in the midst of or getting ready to make a transition. What's a strategy that you or a recommendation you might offer that would help this person or persons find their people and start that journey of connection and belonging in this new transition? Um, and if ever if the audience could see the the ladies are very pensively thinking about this strategy. So, who's gonna go first? I can, I can go. jump
3: in. Oh, you go. Oh, Alice. Cool. okay. I was like, Alice, um, and Lisa.
4: How about that? Yeah. I earlier I one of the earlier things I said was that I was lucky uh, that Brianne reached out and if she hadn't it would have taken me longer and so the strategy the thing I would do differently is having that same vulnerability of like let me get over my fears and reach out and see how people respond and that's gonna get that's gonna help me both make those genuine connections and then you know I I think there's that fear of the bad response but that gives you some that gives you some information too that you that you can work with and so I am grateful to Brianne for having done that. And I think that my advice would be try to do that for for my future self in a new situation for me to try, try to do that earlier as well.
2: Awesome. Collect information, good, better, otherwise. I like that, Alice. Lisa.
3: I think if I were to like go back in time and tell my 2017 self, I would say like, how do you want to feel as you go through this? And when you, think about how you want to feel. I wanna feel like I've like worked really hard, that I've made some great friendships and that I had fun when I could and laughed. And like, to me, that's just an exercise in identifying values. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you wanna feel can help you understand what your values are. And then you sort of know what you're looking for, Mm -hmm. which is very different from, I wanna go find the smartest person in the room, whatever that means, right? Yeah.
5: And, And I think I would say giving advice to someone looking to make a transition is making sure that they show up as their authentic selves, first and foremost, because you're going to find the people who are going to appreciate you for who you are authentically, you know, it's instead of showing up as you think you should show up for other people. I think we all often do that sometimes, um, especially when you're in a new situation, new environment, whatever the case may be, Um, but just kind of letting go of some of that and just be who you are. And by doing so, you'll attract the people um, that wanna be in that space with you.
1: Love all of this. Um, I think I would say something that I learned in my own dissertation work, which is around appreciative inquiry. And that's the idea of, kind of looking for your own strengths and helping others to find their strengths. Because when we have that approach, I mean, I was just swimming in a very, very deep sea of imposter syndrome throughout that program. And it's so helpful to actually think about, you know, things that you've done in the past that were really hard and challenges that you've overcome. And what what about you allowed you to be successful? The challenges look very different, but some of those skills are definitely transferable. So to be able to identify those things and believe and know that you have those, I think gives you a freedom to then find those things in other people as well. So I would, I would go back to the appreciative inquiry approach.
2: Hmm. So good. I love this. I'm grateful to all four of you for coming today. It's, I mean, selfishly, it's just good to see everybody, as Alice said early on, um, I this this is when I miss our time at orientation, studying for comp, sitting around a table laughing and all those good things. So you've left us with some really great strategies and hopefully the audience is hearing this. I, I wrote down the four. Collecting information, good, bad, or otherwise, at least you're getting feedback and knowing where you stand. Um, check in with your values, knowing, you know, what do you want to feel like? Um, bringing your authenticity so the people will see you and you'll attract the people that you're interested in being around and looking for your strengths. What are you celebrating? What are your successes? And so I think if we do nothing else over the next week, audience, but think about those four strategies, I don't know, pay attention and see what what you learn and what you notice about yourself if you're asking yourself about those questions. So All right, ladies. It has been an absolute pleasure. We always like to give our our participants, our guests, one last opportunity. Is there anything you'd like to add that we didn't cover today?
1: I would like to thank Carrie for being the master of belonging for the twenty (laughs) seventeen (laughs) cohort, for being a great connector for all of us, um, academically and socially, and just professionally. I mean, you you live and breathe this, and before you even studied it, you definitely exuded it. Like I said, I saw it on day one, literally day one. Um, I didn't see much else that day, but I saw that <laughs> and I just think you walk the walk. And so I would mm-hmm. want to say thank you for that.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. And Carrie,
4: that. I feel like you won't narrate this this time, but the rest of us on the screen, were are nodding vigorously and clapping our hands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, grateful for the time when we were working together as students and faculty and more grateful for the fact that we're remaining friends and, and doing cool things together so it's it's always a pleasure so alright everybody it's been another episode so of Tell Me This I am I your host Perry Borkowski, and stay well everybody so Thanks sincere for listening.
1: under the glaciers, your last year Sorry.